was a good friend of mine. Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Joining me in our studio today is my co-pilot, Lil Baron. Hey, Mr. Case. Lil Baron. <laughs> How's it going today? Good. 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 Listen, we've been talking about this for a long time. Right. This, this is a this is a regular topic that comes up, and Kinda I'm not like a talking broken about, record. I'm not talking about our 35th anniversary. I'm oh, going to talk really? about that later on. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're going to okay. talk about that in just a minute. But uh, we, we've we been talking about this theme, and it's kind of a reoccurring theme. And the cool thing is, is that the research just keeps backing it up. That's the good thing. And it is this exercise. It's not oh. about Cheetos. Oh, I thought it was going to be sleeping. It's not about Cheetos. We do talk about sleep <laughs> okay. a lot. It's not about sleep. It's this exercise is good for your body. Right. We know that it's good for your heart. Yep. I think that's that makes sense. Like Absolutely. That's, a, that's not a leap yeah. at all. But it's also good for your brain. Oh. And that's kind of new-ish understanding of the way um you know our our body and our brains work together so i found this article on ap news it was written by laura Niergaard, showing that even simple exercise routines just might help older adults with mild memory problems really yeah just simple things so like i said this is not new doctors have long advised physical activity to help keep a healthy brain fit but this particular study that they're talking about it was a government-funded And uh, this study marks the longest test of whether exercise makes any difference once memory starts to slide. So that's kind of an important distinction. Mm -hmm. And and get this, the research was performed amid the pandemic. And that added isolation to the list of risks to participants' brain health. So, So it was kind of this... Almost like from a research standpoint, like they threw this this great variable in there that's important to understand yeah. and know, but it's hard to replicate in any other way, right? <laughs> like everybody raise their hand if they want to be socially isolated for the next year, you know, like so they were able to research this mm-hmm. right in the middle of the pandemic. So here's how it worked. Researchers recruited about 300 sedentary older adults with hard to spot memory changes called mild cognitive impairment or MCI. That's what Mm -hmm. they call it. That's a condition that sometimes, but not always a precursor to Alzheimer's half were assigned aerobic exercises and the rest were assigned a stretching and balance routine that only modestly raised their heart rate. Mm. Now, obviously they didn't test my heart rate when I stretch (laughs) because it is high (laughs) and the words come out (laughs) yeah so anyway they weren't they they weren't i was not part of this study but um the idea was do you have to do a lot to get the benefits right that's the idea Mm -hmm. so uh here's the thing the participants in both groups were showered with attention by trainers Mm -hmm. who worked with them at ymcas around the country and then when covid19 shut everything down which Mm -hmm. we know that it did gyms included they helped keep them moving at home via video calls. Oh. So they didn't stop their right. interaction with them. They, they, they kept that high level of interaction, right. which was important. After a year, cognitive testing showed overall neither group had worsened, said lead researcher Laura Baker, who was a neuroscientist at Wake Forest School of Medicine. Nor did brain scans show the shrinkage that accompanies worsening memory problems, she said. So wow. that, was a, that was positive. That is positive. That was a good thing. By comparison, similar MCI patients in another long-term study of brain health, but without exercise, mm-hmm. uh, they experienced significant cognitive decline over oh, a year. Wow! So they they arrested that decline that yeah. that they that older adults start to experience once the 
once the ball starts rolling, right? Yeah. So those early findings are a little bit surprising. They weren't really uh, expected. And the National Institute on Aging did caution that tracking non-exercisers in the same study would have offered better proof. Mm-hmm. And and that is probably true. Right. I mean, that makes sense. But the results do suggest that it's doable for everybody. Right. In other words, you don't have to be an Ironman triathlete no. in order to have brain health benefits. Right. It can just be some mild things, even stretching. Right. Which, again, <laughs> for me isn't mild, but... For most people, it is. I like the balance part because I'm good at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you are good at that. That's 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 very true. Uh, the study they say is especially intriguing because the pandemic hit halfway through, like I mm-hmm. mentioned, and that that left an already vulnerable senior population socially right. isolated. And uh, that's something that is uh, that social isolation aspect is something that is long known to increase people's mm-hmm. risk of memory problems. Mm-hmm. So, so they were able to study that in the midst of this. Like I said, now we know that pharmaceutical companies are working on drugs to help treat Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and of course, we're going to keep our eye on that for sure. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, yeah, it looks like exercise, even mild exercise. Yeah might offer at least some protection. Right. And that's uh, I, that's that is, exciting That news. is exciting. I think we all have someone that we know that's been affected right. by dementia or Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. I, I've mentioned before that it runs in my family, mm-hmm. so I'm concerned not only about myself, but about my right. parents and things like that. So this is good news. This is something right. that I yeah. keep my keep my eye on for yeah. reasons. And uh, I'm going to blame news. the pan- pandemic for my thought process. For, <laughs> for your cognitive yes. decline? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'll go with that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll go with that. That's social isolation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, the good news is, is that, um, you know, for everybody, right. it's just it's just mild activity yeah. seems to be important, seems to make a difference. But uh, this is good news, especially for our senior athletes. Right. And anyone can it do it. It feels like we're right. on the right track. Yeah. Right. Great. So, Lil, today's guest yes. is Nicole Fellows from the Intermountain Live Well Center. Nicole is a physician assistant that has been practicing medicine for the past seven years. She earned her Bachelor of Biomedical Sciences degree from St. Cloud State University and went on to earn her Master's of Physician Assistant Studies degree from Des Moines University in 2015. Nicole recently moved to St. George, Utah from Rochester, Minnesota, where she practiced primary care internal medicine at the Mayo Clinic, mm. but she moved to St. George to work for the Intermountain Livewell uh, Healthcare and with excuse me Intermountain Healthcare within the Livewell Center to practice lifestyle medicine. And Nicole, welcome. Yes. We're, we're happy to have you with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. yeah. So, so you started out with uh, internal medicine, but you've yeah. switched to lifestyle medicine. What is lifestyle medicine? How would you yeah. define that? Yeah. So lifestyle medicine is really the evidence-based approach to medicine that focuses on really optimizing those lifestyle interventions at helping to really treat and prevent chronic diseases and really optimize our overall quality of life. So it also includes all of that traditional medicine and my internal medicine background. You know, you still prescribe medicines and treat people accordingly if those lifestyle interventions are not enough. Mm-hmm. But it really understands that lifestyle is the hallmark and really the first line that we should be using to really treat most people and most conditions. So mm. I love this. Yeah. And we've had several guests uh, on the show that have talked about this concept of to a great degree, our health is really our choice. It's up yeah. to us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, there are genetics and there are things that are outside of our control. That's life, right? right? I mean, that can be, 
you know, the way that we drive or you trip on mm-hmm. a sidewalk or like there are things that are beyond our control. Genetics right. uh, to some degree can be part of that. But I love this area of study and and research and medicine where instead of just placing that medicinal Band-Aid on top right. of everything, which I think we've had the tendency to do yes. here in the United States. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I love that we're going in a direction where we're saying, hey, let's make some adjustments here, just like what we were talking about with the with the dementia thing. Right. Let's make some minor adjustments here. Let's see if those things can make a difference. Now, of course, medicine is there. Drugs are there. Pharmaceuticals are there. Those are important tools right. as well. Right. But I love this idea of lifestyle changes mm-hmm. that can make a difference. You've probably worked with a number of, of clients you you might have success stories I'm hoping that yeah. maybe you could share one with us yeah absolutely you know I think that I think that there's just so much that can be done and as you mentioned from kind of shifting that paradigm in medicine from really just reacting to conditions to really preventing them mm-hmm. now the downfall is that you know sometimes getting that point across to everybody is not always um, easy yeah. so um, I find a lot of times in my history historical practice that the times that you're able to really make a lot of meaningful impact in people from a lifestyle um, standpoint is when you actually encounter and maybe an unfortunate health event and that yeah. really kind of opens their eyes mm-hmm. so I would say you know some of the most um, meaningful really lifestyle things that I've had historically um, have unfortunately been based off of that reaction method um, but at the same time have led for you to focus more on that prevention of preventing ongoing chronic conditions and preventing something from happening again so you know I can think of a, a great example of a patient who came in after having a stroke yeah. um, used tobacco never was in for uh, physicals or anything like that and really using and seeing how um, how your life can very quickly take a wrong turn and using that as an opportunity to really kind of fulfill those that lifestyle medicine and really focus on how can we prevent this from happening again wow. yeah I, I would have guessed that would have been yeah. like the biggest impetus right. you, know, Absolutely. I, I, you have a heart attack you have open heart surgery you get some stents put in something yep. unfortunate happens right. yeah. and then all of a sudden your eyes are open and your <laughs> mind is open and your heart heart is opened literally and figuratively mm. right, sometimes right. to yeah. uh, to these lifestyle changes. Yeah. Um, I'm with you though, man. Like, let's get in front of it right. if we can. Absolutely. Right? Let's get in front of it. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about lifestyle medicine. What are the areas of our lives that we need to focus on yeah. if we want to have, as you say, meaningful outcomes yeah. with, within this, uh, this, this realm here? Yeah. And so, you know, lifestyle medicine can include so many different things. There's really these kind of hallmark pillars of lifestyle medicine. And those focus on really a lot of things that you would probably anticipate, you know, nutrition, physical activity or exercise, sleep, our social connectedness. So all of that isolation you were talking about during the pandemic, Um, you know, our mental health and stress management and avoidance of substance use. So we really have those kind of six pillars. I also often kind of incorporate sexual health as part of um, lifestyle medicine as well. Um, I don't know if that's true across the board, but I think that, you know, incorporating all aspects of lifestyle is really important when we approach a patient. Awesome. And so when someone comes in to visit with you and are they coming to you specifically to say, hey, I need to change my lifestyle, help me out? Or are you seeing a problem and coming to them and saying, here's some things that you ought to consider? How does yeah. that, does it work both ways? Or Yeah, so it okay. can work both ways, especially the way that we are set up at the Intermountain Live Well Center. Um, we have a consultative practice where maybe patients are referred from a specialist or maybe they come in because they've heard that this is a benefit that their insurance has. Okay. Um, and they come in and they just want an overall review of their health and really 
really understanding ways that they can improve maybe a certain condition or just live a healthier life. Um, and that's historically been the way that our, our centers have functioned. Now, with my addition to the center, we're really pushing to also um, open up a new category of what, what we're calling lifestyle-oriented primary care. So really incorporating that um, kind of long-term relationship with your patients to really allow for that playing field to be more proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have that longitudinal relationship where you can continue to kind of um, hammer in the lifestyle benefits and really focus on those um, to, to make them happen before they really need to happen. Yeah. And again, that's that concept yeah. of let's get in front of it Absolutely. before the stroke, before the heart attack, before right. the cancer, before these chronic diseases mm-hmm. set in. And here's the thing. And this, this is what I always end up asking at this point. I think we all know what we're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, we know we're supposed to eat vegetables. We know we're supposed to cut back on the red meats. We know we're supposed to exercise. We, we know that we're supposed to do these kinds of things, right? So how do you help people take that step and then maintain that consistency? What have you found that has worked yeah. in your practice? And so I would agree, you know, I think most people know that these things are things we should do, but um, it's always challenging in life. I think when you are trying to do something that maybe is not habitual or maybe is not a routine for you, maybe isn't in your comfort zone. Um, so for instance, asking somebody to go start lifting weights, who's maybe never stepped foot in a gym, yeah. they're going to be intimidated by right. that. So, um, you know, I think first and foremost, one approach that I do is really um, tailoring lifestyle approaches. So if we're focusing on exercise, I really hone in on what that individual would be able to actually utilize within their life and not giving them just a general standard handout of this is what you should do, but tailoring it to individualized medicine. Um, In addition to that, you know, we have this really excellent set of resources through our LiveWell Center, which is what makes us a little bit more unique, is that we're able to, you know, refer patients to an exercise physiologist to help teach them and give them the tools or put them in an exercise class that maybe gives them what they need, um, or meet with a nutritionist, a dietitian, in order to um, actually make diet changes that would be helpful for them. So I think really that, um, you know, multidisciplinary team in order to kind of individualize medicine for the patient is what ultimately um, yields the highest success. Yeah, and that makes sense, that whole picture approach Absolutely. to things, right? So this is kind of exciting. And, yeah. I, and again, it's it's kind of groundbreaking in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So much of our medicine has been reactive, has right. been, um, you know, just kind of trying to play catch up. And yet here we are now kind of on the forefront of this new field of, mm-hmm. of um, health and wellness, which when you say it out loud, it seems like, well, duh, of course, <laughs> we're supposed to be doing this, right? Yeah. But, it, but it hasn't been the model, right? right? So um, I'm just, I'm curious what kind of led you down this path? Like how did, how did you decide to kind of get into lifestyle medicine? And, you know, I think it's a lot of that. Um, When you're practicing medicine, you're seeing that your patients are getting sicker and sicker over time. You know, if you look at the CDC, the statistics right now are that six in 10 adults um, in the U.S. have a chronic medical condition and four in 10 have two or more. Like they currently have that? Yes. Yep. If you look at the statistics. That's not like they're going to get it. It's like they already have it. Wow. Which is a huge percentage of our population. That's staggering. Absolutely. Um, And we know that these chronic medical conditions are a leading cause of death, disability, and they are really driving a lot of the healthcare expenditure costs in the United States. Um, In addition with that, we know that lifestyle interventions are kind of the first line treatment for many of these things. And the unfortunate thing, as you said, you know, this is kind of groundbreaking, which is shocking. Why why is this groundbreaking when we have evidence to support that these are our first line recommendations? 
And I would I would argue that it's not that providers, it's not that doctors or physician assistants or nurse practitioners haven't been educating patients on this standpoint of medicine. It's that our system of medicine hasn't really set us up for success. We haven't had the resources. We haven't had the integrated dietitians or exercise physiologists that are able to help us really help the patients. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, really kind of that whole picture is what gave me this drive to really help kind of shift the paradigm of medicine. You know, I left a I left a career at Mayo Clinic that I absolutely loved in yeah. internal medicine and a panel of patients who I felt dearly with to really have this opportunity to try to really make a difference in the world of wow. medicine. Um, and so I'm excited to be part of it and really hoping that um, we can help the world in kind of a bigger picture. Awesome. I love that. Oh, I do too. I, I think that's fantastic. Now, we're not going to have time to really dig into each of these lifestyle pillars that you had talked about, but yeah. I do want to circle back just a, a little bit if we yeah, can to, to a few of those. Um, let, let's talk with, talk about nutrition. That's, yep. that's one of the first mm-hmm. ones. That's, I think that's one of the most obvious ones. In your practice, what is the biggest thing that people are not doing but that they could do without a huge amount of change or difficulty? Yeah. I would say for most Americans, the biggest thing that people could do to make a little bit of difference would be portion control. Uh, and so I think that's a I big didn't, thing. I didn't think you were going to say that, but it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> totally yeah. does. Yeah. I mean, our portions in America are quite large. Oh, yes. And, um, you know, that even in and of itself. Sometimes people can have generally healthy diets, but they're eating extremely large amounts of that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's a very simple thing that anybody can do, and they could act on today without even having to go to the grocery store to get something different. So someone once told me, I think this makes a lot of sense. Tell me if you agree with this, but one of the easiest ways to implement portion control is to just use a smaller plate. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yep. I think that that, that is a, certainly a good tactic. I think sometimes just, um, you know, without being hyper vigilant of it, sometimes writing down what you're eating for a day really puts it into perspective of how much you're consuming as well. Or maybe measuring out a portion. Let's say somebody pulls them, pours themselves a bowl, bowl of cereal. And, or a bowl of ice cream. Yes, yes, all the better, all the better. Um, but most of the time, the portion that we have is not what the serving size right. says on something like that. That's so I true. I only had one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It is yeah. so true. I, I've actually done that. Like, I, you know, I, I'll get the biggest bowl in the cupboard. And I'll fill it to the top with yep. Lucky Charms and put some milk on it, you know. And in my mind, I think it's probably not a portion, but it's probably pretty close. But I, I pulled out the like a half a cup is a portion of Lucky Charms. Yeah, that's not very many Lucky Charms. It's not a man, lot at I'll all. Tell you what, but but being aware of that, yeah, I think, right. can be very very useful and helpful. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, it's probably worth the gut check or the reality <laughs> check to pull out the measuring cup and see right. what a serving of cereal or or ice cream. That's another right. one. You know, I'm guilty yeah. of. I'll fill that thing right up to the top, and then I'll put more <laughs> toppings on top of an already flavored bowl of ice cream and um is yeah this confession if you, time <laughs> a little bit a little bit i'm feeling a little guilty here but yeah if you if you really knew what a serving of right. ice cream looked yeah. like it's good to actually see that visually because what we're eating is most of the time not a serving <laughs> absolutely right? most of the time it's yeah, more i right. love that i love that great great advice yeah 
Um, let's talk a little bit about social connectedness. Now, yeah. that's that's one that's a little bit of a new frontier, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And um, what what can you tell us about that? How do we how do we connect with people in a way that's meaningful and helpful to our health? Yeah, and I think that can mean so many different things, right? And I think that um, as you guys had mentioned, kind of in your initial study that you discussed, um, this pandemic has been hard for a lot of yeah. people. We've really stripped people of their coping mechanisms. We've taken away their support systems and said, "Stay home. Don't go and interact right. with people." Um, maybe don't go to whatever social function or religious function or whatever it may be yeah. that helps you feel connected. Right. Um, and, you know, social connectedness is just an essential human characteristic, right? We all have that drive to connect with another being. Um, and that's good for our overall mental health, for mm-hmm. our coping, to have those kind of strong support systems and um, family or friends. Um, so, you know, I think that that's just such an important piece of everything um, that overall really optimizes our health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've, uh, again, we've talked a little bit about social connectedness, but we're so excited at the, at the Huntsman World Senior Games mm-hmm. to, to provide that in so many ways. Absolutely. You know? right. If you look at a, a softball, a typical softball player, um, you know, you you can't not be socially connected on your team. Right. Like yeah. They're counting on you. You've got to yeah. practice a, at least a little bit. Now, yeah. some teams mm-hmm. practice more than others, and right. that's totally fine, but you got to come <laughs> together at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the games, and then you've got the, you know, the spouses, whether it's husbands or wives that are there to kind of cheer everybody on. There really is this, just this beautiful social aspect yeah. of senior sports. And even if you look at like individual sports, mm-hmm. which you might think, okay, there's, there's not that team aspect, but you look at any track and field athlete, for example, same kind of thing. They're oftentimes they're in a club, right. they're practicing, they're going to the meets, they're meeting people, they're running into friends that they've met in other places and other locations. And we love being a part mm-hmm. of that. We e- do. Long before we understood what social connectedness was <laughs> or the importance of it, other than just we all know that it's, right. it's good and fun to have friends, right? Mm-hmm. We all know that. But before there was a lot of research into it, when we started this event back in 1987, when John Morgan, our founder, started this whole thing, uh, it was built on the principles of fostering worldwide peace, health, and friendship. And yeah. friendship was oh, an important aspect right. of that. Right. And we have maintained those principles. Mm-hmm. They still guide us. They direct us on the things that we do here at the games. Mm-hmm. And we certainly have not forgotten the friendship aspect right. of that. And well, so much of what we do tries to create those opportunities for social interaction and well, we, friendship and we, building. Right, and we hear that from our athletes all the time. Mm-hmm. We came for the you know, competition, but we're coming back next year because our friends are here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like we this. We met a lot of people. It's like this... Um, <laughs> you get to choose your family right. reunion, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, it's really such a great a great thing that you guys do with this because, you know, it really fills a void, right? We have all of these, like, uh, sporting events and activities that are tailored towards maybe young adults, and then mm-hmm. you have children, and then their parents are attending theirs. But historically, there's not always as much focus on our senior population. So I just absolutely love what you guys are doing yeah. and um, that that's an option. Yeah. yeah. We love it, too. We love being a part of it. We yeah. love... We love everything about That's it. That's right. Well, we know you're kind of young for the senior games, but you should come um, and just yeah. come and no, I would visit love the to. games this year. I will. Yeah. We'd love to have you. All of the schedules are available online. Yeah. And uh, you're a ways away from competing, but, but come, <laughs> and, come and check it out. Come, right. and, come and cheer You'll somebody You'll be so on. inspired. It really is inspiring. Yeah. We've got about 30 seconds. If you were to just give one piece of advice in this area of, of medicine that you're, that you're practicing, what would that be? What's the biggest thing that we could take home? 
I guess the biggest piece of advice I would pick for people is to find out what motivates you to want to um, live a healthy life and use that um, to your advantage. You know, focus on that and know that when you maybe are passing up on that large bowl of ice cream, <laughs> what meaning that has for you. Um, and really, you know, whether it's an event you want to attend someday or something you want to do, mm-hmm. um, really focus in on that. Find, yeah. Finding your why. Yeah, right? That's exactly. That's what it's all yep. about. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Nicole, thank you. Yes, absolutely. So Thanks for having me. For joining us. Uh, we, we hope we'll get to have you yes. back sometime. And well, we I'd love to, yeah. Explore this a little bit further. Yeah. But uh, yeah. we wish you all the best. Thank yes. you so much. Have a great day. You too. That was good stuff. That was really good. Lil and, and accessible. I, yes. We're not talking about these massive right. things. Like you got to you know get on your bike and ride 100 <laughs> miles today or whatever. We're just talking about simple things. Right. I love that idea of portion control. And <laughs> checking yourself on serving size every once in a while. Like Although I'm not going to pull out a measuring cup every time, but once in a while I need to be reminded, yeah. right? I'm always so much better when I write it down. So I only write it down one day because I'm really <laughs> good on that one yeah. day. <laughs> but that's enough to last that's for right. a little while. Because right. you realize where you're at. <laughs> anyway, great, great stuff. Hey, yeah. just a few things to okay. remind everybody out there. Biggest reminder of all, registration is closing on September yeah. 1st. So we've got a little bit of time, but it is coming right it up. Is. And the games are right behind that. Now is the time to get involved in the mm-hmm. games, to get registered. Uh, as I said before, I was going to talk about our 35th anniversary. <laughs> I can't have a show without doing that. Right. This is our 35th anniversary year. We're giving away 35 registration mm-hmm. fee waivers. So you want to be sure that you're following us on social media at World Senior Games to find out how you might be able right. to have your registration fee waived for the 2022 games. Games 35th right. anniversary. <laughs> we want to remind you to tune in live next and every Thursday at 5:30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Live. As we know, we take this live show, we turn it into a podcast, and you can also subscribe anywhere that podcasts are found. If you happen to be listening by podcast, take a moment and give us a rating or write a quick review. It really helps us spread the word. And then, as always, you can find this and previous shows right on our website at SeniorGames.net. So check that out. Today's inspirational thought. Okay. Failure is not the opposite of success. It is part of success. Good stuff, right? Good. Until next Thursday, stay active. Stay active.